A new water supply for Colorado? That story and more on H2O Radio's weekly news report. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin, and it's This Week in Water. There's some encouraging news in the effort to combat climate change. Emissions of carbon dioxide from burning fossil fuels are not expected to grow by much this year, only 1%. That's a small fraction of the increase that occurred last year, according to the International Energy Agency, and they say the decline is because of the strong expansion of renewables and electric vehicles. Expectations were that CO2 emissions would be growing a lot more. Russia's invasion of Ukraine has increased the demand for coal in 2022 by making natural gas more expensive, but renewable energy has offset the releases from fossil fuels. Almost a quarter of the European Union's energy has come from solar and wind since the start of the conflict. Also, due to the war, economic growth, especially in Europe, will likely be slower, leading to lower emissions. The IEA report comes about three weeks before the start of the COP27 talks in Egypt, meant to keep countries in line with the goals of the Paris Agreement, limiting global warming to no more than 2 degrees Celsius, and even better, 1.5 degrees compared to pre-industrial times. Scientists warn that even though the small increase is good, CO2 emissions need to be decreasing and rapidly. Colorado residents may soon have a new way to supplement their water supplies. Facing the continuing drought in the West, the state has joined a few others to approve direct potable reuse, a process in which sewage is treated and then reused for drinking water. Reuse isn't new. Generally, after wastewater has been cleaned, it's sent to a river, a wetland, or into the ground before being treated again, which is called indirect reuse. Under Colorado's new rules, wastewater will be disinfected with ozone gas or ultraviolet light to remove bacteria, viruses, and drugs. Then it will be filtered through membranes to remove any trace contaminants. Colorado regulators will require any utility that decides to adopt direct potable reuse to include a public relations campaign to confront negative images that have been made infamous by the tagline, Toilet to Tap. When shipwrecks are discovered, they're expected to be time capsules of bygone eras, carrying a cargo of clothes, tools, and perhaps a treasure chest teeming with pearls and coins. But according to new research, although some sunken ships can become artificial reefs benefiting sea life, oftentimes old vessels leave a legacy of toxic compounds that are damaging ocean ecosystems. Such was the case with a fishing trawler called the John Mann that was turned into a Nazi patrol boat and was bombed by the British Royal Air Force in 1942. It's been sitting at the bottom of the North Sea off the Belgian coast ever since. Scientists with the North Sea Rex Research Project, which studies sunken ships and their environmental impact, analyzed samples from the vessel's steel hull and surrounding sediment. Results showed a range of contaminants, including heavy metals, arsenic, explosives, and hydrocarbons found in coal, 
crude oil and gasoline, which the researchers say are changing the surrounding marine microbiology and geochemistry. The authors report that the amount of pollution at this site wasn't high, but given the number of wrecks still submerged from the two world wars, they estimate between two and a half and 20 million metric tons of petroleum products may be currently leaking into the ocean. And time is not on our side because as ships degrade and corrode, the environmental damage evolves. For that reason, the project expects to make recommendations later this year whether wartime vessels will need to be removed and if the John Mann will be one of them. And finally, the UN calls this plant a food of the future. It's high in protein, vitamins, minerals, and is a good source of fiber. It's also drought-resistant, can improve soil health, and because it reaches maturity quickly, can be harvested faster than many other crops. So what is this marvelous plant? It's the prickly pear cactus, which is called nopal in Mexico, where you'll find its leaf pads, once the spines are removed, chopped into salads, sautéed with eggs, or even as a type of french fry. The cactus fruit is made into jams and juices and also used in soap and shampoos. According to Modern Farmer, eating prickly pear cactus is not mainstream north of the border yet, but researchers are working to change that. One is John Cushman at the University of Nevada, Reno, who thinks nopales could not only be a major crop like soybeans and corn, but also a sustainable biofuel as well as forage for livestock. In a study, he wrote that nopales are both heat and cold tolerant and sequester carbon, making them attractive, climate-resilient plants. They also require little water because prickly pear fruit close their pores during the heat of the day to prevent evaporation. Cushman is looking to use the plant's genes to improve drought tolerance of other crops, and we could know the results of that work in a study set to be published soon. That's it for This Week in Water. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.